Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios in downtown Milwaukee, it's Wisconsin's Midday News, making stories come to life. Now, here are your hosts, Greg Matzik and Jessica Ty. February 29th for all you check writers out there. Happy birthday. I don't know, maybe your fourth or fifth birthday <laughs> for some of you adults driving around. That's we... so different. Isn't it odd? So what do you do if you have a, a leap year birthday? Do you celebrate on the 28th most years? Do you celebrate March 1st most years? How do you do it? I bet everybody does it a little bit differently. But you're special, right? If you're a leap year baby, you're special. Very unique. Well, we'll get into what makes a leap year a leap year, why it's a thing. I contend it should be a, a national holiday, but I'll get into those reasons coming up a little later. Some <laughs> stories wait. that we are following this morning as we approach noon. And now it's time for three big things on Wisconsin's Midday News. Number one, the Supreme Court says it will decide whether Donald Trump can be shielded from criminal prosecution further delaying his federal trial. The court expedited the case and we'll hear arguments the week of April 22nd. It is not clear yet whether a trial would take place before the November election. And Greg, that's something big. We're, we're keeping an eye on that. Yeah, no doubt. The timing is very interesting on this decision. Donald Trump and his legal team know they're not going to win the argument that he is completely immune, that the president has complete and total immunity. The question is, when do they decide that? And now this is a really big win for Donald Trump if you look at his effort as an effort to delay. That's ABC News Chief Legal Analyst Dan Abrams. He believes that the Supreme Court taking the case is a win for Trump. Number two, Bitcoin euphoria is back. Investors are preparing for the quadrennial halving. That's an interesting term. It's not one that I often use. But nonetheless, Bitcoin is popular. It's the most popular cryptocurrency. It's nearing an all-time high, up about 20% over a week ago, right around 63000 So why? What's going on here? Well, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission approved Bitcoin exchange-traded funds last month. Also, the halving is a feature in Bitcoin's infrastructure that automatically reduces the rate of new coins entering circulation. So think of it like an easier barrier of entry for those looking to get into the Bitcoin world. Yeah, so, and that having happens about every four years yeah, or so. Yeah, no, it's not very common. Number three, some records meant to be broken. We are now in the record books for our wacky Wisconsin weather. We just had the largest 24-hour temperature change ever. Yep. <laughs> if you were in Milwaukee or Madison, you felt it. We experienced it. Milwaukee had a 58-degree temperature change Tuesday into Wednesday. Listen to this. We went from a high of 74 degrees here in Bruce City on Tuesday to a low of 16 degrees on Wednesday. Madison had a temperature swing of 59 degrees, so they were even one more degree than we were with that temp swing. And these temperature swings, they break records from the early 1900s. This is amazing. So it's incredibly confusing to plants and dogs. That's what I found out. Right, you start to see a little green pop out of the ground here. It's like, oh, nice temperatures. It's kind of tropical even. Well, and I wonder about our flowers. When they do pop, and then are we going to get some winter weather, some real winter weather where they say, oh, gosh, we're not going to come back? I, I worry about that a little bit. Yeah, my poor dog was like, well, what is this? I, I know. I, I always wish they could talk and tell us. <laughs> no. Well, they kind of do when they run outside. They run right back in immediately. They don't want to sniff around That's true. as much as they usually do. we got a packed show coming up here. 
this afternoon, including a, a conversation with Charlie Barron, Wisconsin's favorite comedian, Emmy Award-winning journalist as well. He's got a new brandy out, which is interesting. He's got several tour stops in Wisconsin coming up as part of his tour, a nationwide tour. Charlie Barron's will join us coming up at 12.15. And Debbie Lasca's got a great feature on the leap year. Why do we do this? I think it should be a holiday, but we'll get into that coming up. Of course, a check-in with Dom Catronio from spring training. But coming up next, two-time, should say four-time, Indianapolis 500 champion Helio Castro-Nemes. Big doings at the Milwaukee Mile this summer, and tickets are on sale. You can be a part of it. We talk with one of Indy's best after this. It's 1113 on WTMJ. Hey, Jessica. Hey, what, Greg? I, remember when I said Helio Castroneves would be joining us coming up? <laughs> remember when I booked him? And so, then I heard he was going to be flying out, and, and I said, okay, okay, can he can he go earlier? And they said, actually, 11.15, we can make that work. He's flying out around 11. And then I said, can, can he call in at 11.15 if he's flying out at 11? I thought maybe private plane, maybe, maybe, maybe you got, got something. They said, yep. <laughs> He can do it. So that was our internal discussion uh, over the last couple of days. Like, well, wait a minute, he's leaving at eleven, but he can join us at eleven fifteen. My mind went to private plane. You're Helio Castor Nevis, right? You're not waiting that baggage claim anymore, exactly. right? So apparently, uh, his plane has taken off, whether it's private or not. Uh, I, it left early. Doesn't have an air phone on the uh, Heli- Helio Cessna. Uh, so Helio Castor Nevis <laughs> will not be joining us to talk about. Racing returning to the Milwaukee Mile. It's going to happen on Labor Day weekend. They've got a, a great weekend plan. They haven't had IndyCar since 2017 or 15, so it's been a while. It's been a while. And, it, I mean, this is a big deal because so many fans loved the Milwaukee Mile. I mean, the oval, and then, you know, you can just hear the cars on the racetrack. I, I've been out there a couple times. And then when the races weren't happening anymore, that was a big bummer for fans. So the fact that it's back... IndyCar returning to the Milwaukee Mile is is huge. There are two tracks in the state of Wisconsin, and, and every time you know their their series or their event comes up, and they got a national level driver or several, they always comment it. They love the oval at the Milwaukee Mile because it's a true test of racing. There's not a lot of room for mistakes. You don't have this long winding course. It's a real challenge, and it's flat. It's not banked. Right. Yeah. That's another thing. Uh, maybe in the corners. The other track that people love is Elkhart Lake at Road America. Uh, so now that is sort of yes. winding and weaving, and it's uh, a true test in a beautiful scene, beautiful landscape. But two very popular tracks. Uh, Milwaukee Mile is iconic, and racing is is a part of the fabric of the Wisconsin State Fair Park. Well, and th- the really cool thing about Helio is... He has a connection to the Milwaukee Mile. A lot of people don't realize this, but he earned his first career IndyCar pole position start. That was with Hogan Racing. That was at the Milwaukee Mile back in 1999. Yeah. So after that, he was partying like it was 1999. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, right? And then on to Indy 500 wins, right? He had a a great start. And that happens a lot. You, You see some, you know, the drivers of tomorrow sort of breaking in at the Milwaukee Mile and then going on to great things, but then ultimately they come back, which I think is great. It's sort of where they got their start. Yes. I wish it, Tiger Woods had done that with the old GMO. He right, never really the came greater back. Milwaukee Open. <laughs> and it just yeah. didn't work out. It, it means something to them. But yeah, I mean, Helio, he's a four-time Indy 500 champ. He won in 2001, 2002, 2009, 2021. He's also a IndyCar Series legend, really. But he, he has tried to go for the fifth win, hasn't gotten it yet, so... 
maybe this will be the year. Maybe this will be the year for five times. So that that is coming. It's Labor Day weekend and a a great week of activity. Absolutely. All lined up here uh, in Milwaukee. I used to live in that area. So this little history in the Matzik household, my great uncle built a house in the early 1950s right across the street from what is now I-94. Oh, right. Okay. So it's off a yeah. street. It's called Adler Street. And this was in our family for forever. Right. It felt like that. So in the 50s is when it was was put up. And I remember going to my aunt's house for Christmas and different holidays. And you could hear the sound of the of the cars racing around the track for time trials or on race day. And it always felt like something really big was just sort of happening in your backyard. And even though you couldn't see it from there, you could feel it. From where you stood in the yard it was amazing the windows would shake a little bit once in a while see there's so much excitement and i think there are, are some families who love that they're so close to the action and then there are other people who are like oh man <laughs> the racers are back and it's loud it, it's one of those things i feel like if you if you live along a river and it floods every year you've got some people who who hate it and other people who are like this is what happens and you just have to know if you live here along the river that you're going to have to deal with flooding from time to time well no doubt about that hey if you're into the whole leap year thing there are leap year or leap day parties going on freebies all throughout southeastern wisconsin some cool things Krispy Kreme giving out free birthday donuts anyone who buys a dozen donuts gets a second dozen for just a couple of bucks explorium brew pub has a special menu today they've got frog legs on the menu uh leap vodka Leroy butler's vodka oh, yeah. some specials at uh, bars that carry leap vodka for leap year that's so, smart promotion getting into it a little bit i think the leap year should be a holiday and why you're you're very passionate about this, and I don't know the reason why. If our calendar needs time to recalibrate with the solar system, <laughs> then I think we deserve time to recalibrate with it all. We need to recombobulate. A little bit. I would trade New Year's for a leap year. I heard you talking about New Year's when I like one of my first days. You're talking to somebody about New Year's and how you're like, eh, eh, it's okay. I don't, I, I, don't I don't. I don't really need the day after. You were saying you don't need the day off after. I'm, I'm happy to take it. I'm glad it's there. I just always scratch my head when we have off on New Year's. <laughs> it's 1121 on WTMJ. We're going to go to Arizona and talk with Dom Catronio. He's covering the Brewers this week for spring training. That's at 1137. Joel Brennan from the Greater Milwaukee Committee is going to be in with us at 1146. Some interesting developments here in the world of education. We'll connect on with Joel. Also, more and more companies are moving headquarters to the city of Milwaukee. It's interesting. I wonder what some of the existing employees feel about that. All that and more coming up. It's 1122 on Wisconsin's Midday News. All right, so earlier in the program, we told you that that Bitcoin is seeing like a, a nice boost, right? It's up like 20 grand in the last five days. Yeah. It's a major number. It's, uh, it's getting into that $60,000 mark for Bitcoin, and crypto is at a wild ride. There's no doubt about that. There were some athletes had a portion of their salary they wanted converted to crypto. Like that's a major deal, and you know, people who decided to go all in on crypto, many have lost a lot of money. There's no joke about that, and and who knows what its future is. But Bitcoin is up, and we talked about that. And, and during our meeting today, you you brought up something that I had completely forgotten about. <laughs> well, we're, yeah, we were talking about Bitcoin, and I I I got into cryptocurrency just a little bit. And I feel like I was just missed the height of it. My my younger one of my younger brothers, he lives out in Denver now, but he had jumped onto it and he was, you know, making some money off of it. And my grandparents, um, bless their hearts, are not here with us anymore, but they would always give us money for 
Christmas. And it was always the same amount. Didn't matter if you were five years old or you were 50 years old. This is what you're getting for Christmas. And, and one year I said to Christopher, I said, why don't you take this, take mine and invest it in crypto for me. So he did. I did Ripple at the time. He thought it was going to be like the next big thing. It really, it really hasn't been. <laughs> but he, he did really well for crypto. But bottom line is I, I kind of watched it. It was fun to watch the Ripple. But then Bitcoin, a couple years ago, Aaron Rodgers came out and he was all about this. And this is before Aaron Rodgers went a little wacky too. <laughs> well, well, here's what he did. So th- this goes back to 2021. Rogers actually posted a tweet explaining that he had partnered with Square's Cash App to convert an undisclosed portion of his 21 salary to Bitcoin. That's where it all started with him. It did. But then he took it a little bit further. And I don't remember all the details, but the bottom line is Aaron Rodgers was saying, if you reach out to me, I will give you $10 in Bitcoin. So I was one of the people who did. <laughs> took the bait. I did. Yeah. And so it's funny. I mean, I can go back. It took me a little bit to find it. But I've got um, I've got the it's dollar sign Aaron Rodgers 12. And he sent $10 in Bitcoin. And then I could actually write back. So I replied at the time with the goat emoji. <laughs> just I, I didn't even say thanks. Yada, yada, yada. I'm sure some people wrote tons of stuff. I just wrote back with the goat emoji. So I have it. Yeah. Paid in Bitcoin. It was November 1st, 2021. At 5.45 p.m., Aaron Rodgers paid me $10 in Bitcoin. So what are you doing with it? I am just watching it. Okay, just hanging out. <laughs> but here's the thing. Now that I know that Bitcoin is, what what, are, what do we say? It is just under $63,000 right now. In the peak, it was 69000 in November 2021. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on it now. Okay, okay. Actively. <laughs> <laughs> Every other day, maybe. I mean, it's only $10. Come on. I, I knew Aaron was in that world. There's a bunch of NFL athletes and pro basketball athletes that are kind of in that world. I'm guessing that they, if they well, could do it all them, over again, they would backtrack and say, nope, just standard cash is fine. Yeah, well, I mean, and when you start putting it in your contract, too, that, hey, I'll, I'll take this part of my salary in cryptocurrency, I mean, that was a whole other world. Absolutely. That's a great story, though. Aaron Rodgers once paid you $10. In Bitcoin. Thanks, Aaron Rogers. <laughs> it's 1127 on WTMJ. All week long, we've been checking in with Dom Catronio, host of Brewers Extra Innings, covering the Milwaukee Brewers at spring training. We welcome him in from Arizona. So, Dom, yesterday we were talking about, you know, Brewers Cubs. We took to social media and found that a lot of Brewers fans were interested, saying it's never a bad time to beat the Cubs. (laughs) And some of those same people were like, after the game, that's only spring training doesn't really matter anyway. So there we go. (laughs) Exactly. It goes both ways, right? I, I was trying to warn everybody beforehand, you know, don't don't get all wrapped up in this Craig Council talk in spring training. You're going to wear yourself out for the regular season. You did warn us. You did warn us. Hey, okay, so we lost. It, it was rough. It doesn't matter. It doesn't count. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Six to one, though, was the score. What did you see from our team, from the Brewers, that was good despite that score? J.B. Bukowskis. Silly name, great stuff. So, J.B., uh, a big deal with him is the fact that he's been injured for pretty much every stop of his career. He was originally drafted by the Astros, then was in the big Zach Granke deal in 2019 to go to the Diamondbacks, got hurt, then he got picked up off waivers by the Mariners, got hurt, then he got picked up by the Brewers, got hurt. But here he is, and he's finally healthy once again. And I've known him for a very long time. We go back to the minor leagues, actually. And he struck out the side and on only needed 13, 14 pitches to do so. The slider looked nasty. And uh, Pat Murphy said so after the game. He agreed. He said, I guarantee it. That guy's going to pitch in the big leagues this year. 
All right, Dom, I have to ask. So I saw on one of the early days of spring training, Pat Murphy was he was gifted like a like a cart that you would see at the grocery store, right? If you, if you just you know weren't able to walk as well as you'd prefer, you can hop into the cart, do your grocery shopping. So who gifted him the cart, and is he still you know kind of using it around the field? He, he's not using it. He wants to make that very very clear. It is it is there on display though. No, not not to worry. Uh, I believe it was a team effort. Uh, I don't want to single anybody out and be wrong. Uh, but it sounds like the, the masterminds behind it were Wade Miley and Colin Ray, of course, kind of the elder statesmen of the pitching staff. Uh, you may have seen the video when they revealed it to him, and it was Colin, Red, uh, Colin Ray pulling it in to, uh, to showcase it for Murph. So he's enjoying it. It's just a funny little joke about the old guy getting the job. But uh, I think uh, if there's any worries about clubhouse camaraderie, uh, those should be squashed pretty quickly. I know the guys have an off day coming up. I, I think on Monday. What do they actually yeah. do? Do they do they get out of town or do they stay there? What what do the guys do on their off days? Golf, golf, <laughs> relax, get outside. You know, not have to worry about waking up at seven in the morning to get to the ballpark. No, I think it's always a, a refresh day. And like today, for instance, they're playing in Surprise. And for those who don't know the the geography of the Cactus League, Maryville is very central. You know, where American Family Field is right in the smack dab middle. Surprise is about a good 45-minute drive away, which is the longest that they have to do, but they'll be sitting in rush hour traffic on the way back, and it's kind of a haul to get way the heck out there. We, we like to joke in the Cactus League, surprise, you're still in, in Phoenix. And the, the, the thing of today is called a show-and-go. So, hey, show up to the ballpark at 1030, get some breakfast, and we're just going to hop on the bus and go. So trying to get these guys off their feet. Just the off days start on Monday, then there'll be one a week until the regular season begins. It is kind of funny. So every year I would experience this being at spring training for the last 10 years or so. You try and figure out, like, you know, when is this regular going to play or why is he getting a start here when Yelich is sitting? Sometimes it's based upon where they live. Where oh, really? Yeah. So if, How if, quickly they could get to the ballpark? If they live near Scottsdale, they might sign up to play that game, oh. you know, in, in Talking Stick Resort or where the Giants play, like right in the heart of Scottsdale, because it's very close to where they live instead of having to make that 45-minute drive. Yeah, and, you know, it, it kind of the inside baseball of all this, too, is that when, you, when you're a big league vet, you know, let's say a Christian Yelich, when you're a – you know, the, let's say a few other guys that have big league service time. When you're done in the fifth inning, you're done, done. You're you're getting dressed and you're out of there. I mean, you're out of there hopefully by the sixth inning, quite frankly, sometimes because you got your work in, you're done, and go get dinner with friends or your agent, whoever you're seeing. So it, it is kind of a little bit of inside baseball there. And it is good that Maryville is centrally located to get to everywhere for home games. And uh, it's it like I said to you guys earlier this week, Cactus League's the one to choose, not the Grapefruit League, just because you can get to so many games and to so many places in such a little amount of time. Good stuff, my friend. Today is show-and-go day, so that means no media. That means, I don't know, maybe nine holes for Dom before the game? Maybe? Uh, I'm literally on the driving range right now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, good man. Keep your head down. <laughs> Keep your head down. Well, what, what course? Uh, at least pull me into that. What course are you playing today? Out in Chandler at Whirlwind Golf Club. So they have an amazing range where they have like a little range pass that you can do. Uh, chipping, putting, just kind of spending some time, and then I'm going to pop it in my earbuds and listen on the web stream later today. Hey, that Love sounds it. like fun, man. Four. In, exactly. Thanks, Enjoy it, my friend. We'll talk again tomorrow. <laughs> Cheers. Dom Catronio covering the Brewers at spring training. Always a fun time to be out in Arizona. Great time to digest Brewers baseball. The access is amazing. A worthwhile trip if you ever have the opportunity. It's 11.42 on WTMJ. Joel Brennan, president of the Greater Milwaukee Committee, joins us next. Not like those 70s we just had. It's coming back. 
<laughs> I assure you, it's in gonna, June? the weekend looks fantastic, July. actually. It's going to be a fantastic yeah, weekend. We'll get a, a weekend outlook coming up on tomorrow's program, as we do every Friday. As we will do every Thursday moving forward, Joel Brennan, president of the Greater Milwaukee Committee, joining us in studio, civic organization, their mission to contribute to the cultural and economic base of Milwaukee, pushing Milwaukee forward. Joel's had an incredible background, and he joins us in studio today, looking sharp and dapper in your sport coat. Oh, I got, I got, I got other stuff, too. I dress up for you, but I got other stuff I got to do today, too. Well, so. well, we appreciate that. So Jessica and I were talking uh, in the news about Potawatomi and their sports book. So now we have a grand opening date of May 3rd. They've been at this for a number of years, really, and you were part of Tony Evers' cabinet trying to get this thing even off the ground. What were those conversations like? When did they begin? Well, what's interesting is, so it was, I think there was a Supreme Court decision that was a little over three years ago, and that decision pretty much said that sports gaming would no longer be limited to Las Vegas and New Jersey and just, a, you know, Atlantic City, just a couple of those places. And it's so, it opened the door pretty wide to that. I remember being with the governor uh, in maybe August of 20, maybe 2020 or 2021, when uh, he signed the uh, the thing with the compact with the Oneida tribe that really started that they were the first to do this up in Green Bay and this seventeen million dollar uh, investment that the Potawatomi's are making here is very significant and and I think it's just going to be it, it it's kind of um, we're starting to see more of this regulated sports gaming you know we all know people who do this they've been doing it for a long time kind of on the black market or sure. using a bookie and yeah. you know now it's the, at the point where it's regulated and there are ways that the the state is trying to make sure that this is done in the right way and obviously you know with a great corporate partner or, or corporate citizen uh, like Potawatomi they're making an incredible investments in the community all the time and this is just another reflection of that how far away do you attract people to come to something like this the new sports book and, and poker room what are we talking about I mean I can see Chicago for sure but how far away might people travel to come here to Milwaukee for this well I think the, the at Potawatomi they keep statistics on where people come from and, and they get some significant uh, from over the border however there is this this growth this huge growth in casinos so there's a bunch of new ones in the city of Chicago. There's another new one, I think, just over the border. And that that's part of the discussion that's happening in Wisconsin over, you know, a, a conversation that's been happening for maybe the last 15 or 20 years right. over whether Kenosha will ever get a casino. So there's all of these things. And again, it was probably the most fascinating. I've got a new job now, and I love to talk about the new job, but one of the most fascinating things about the job that I had with the governor was the relationship with the tribes and the the tribal casinos because we, we regulated, the state regulates, takes payments from uh, the tribes on all those. And it's a state-to-state relationship, you know, because you've got these 11 federally recognized tribes. So it's a very interesting and intriguing thing, uh, that relationship with the state. One other thing we want to ask you about, because this is great. We always like to be at a top of any good list, but two Wisconsin firms topping a regional list of fastest growing companies. Who are they and how do they do this? Well, one of them, I, I don't know the, the people who run the firms, but but I have friends who do. And one is, I think, called Carbless. And these were two uh, food scientists who were on a keto diet several years ago. And they were they together came up with drinks that had no sugar and no carbs. And now they've had this astronomical growth, 7,000% over the last two years. And one of the interesting things I thought is they're located in Plymouth. It's not a Milwaukee or Madison. And the other thing that's interesting is, 
you know, for only about 150 years, we thought innovation in the in the alcohol industry here was just about beer. You know, it was oh, names no. like Pabst and yeah. Miller, and then it was, and then you had a lot of the microbrews, and now you're getting lots of people into the spirits uh, industry. You know, I, there are friends that I think all of us have here that just announced a, a product uh, that they're doing. There's a um, at uh, Central Standard Distillery where they're doing it with Lion and Kugels, and they're taking that. You know, they're taking Wisconsin's official drink and putting it in a can. So there's all this innovation happening in this part of the industry, which is great for Wisconsin, but it's also part of our long-term history here. Beer companies recognizing that ready-to-drink cocktails is an explosive growing space in the beverage industry. Anything that's convenient, right? You want to take yeah. it on a boat. You want to take it to the park. But, Greg, you've tried these products from this Carbolis company. Hey, Carbolis is great. Right, their official partner of the Brewers Radio Network. Right, they're they're in the suites at uh, American Family Field. They're partners here at Good Karma Brands too. But it's it's delicious. It's not overly bubbly. It's not going to eat your esophagus like some of the other stuff does, oh, for lack of a better term. Yikes! But they're on that list, and I think for good reason. So yesterday we were talking about Og Prep North and and what they're doing, the Ramirez family, to try and convert the old Cardinal Stritch College into a, a an educational facility. And I have no doubt they will they will do their absolute best to make mm-hmm. it a pristine place. But it does bring about the question, Joel: Higher education in the state of Wisconsin, Cardinal Stritch, a smaller school, not a very big enrollment. They don't really have a, an athletic program to really buoy them. There are no big facilities on campus. There's several universities like that in this state. Are they in jeopardy? What is the future of some of those smaller institutions, private institutions, that have deep roots in the state? Well, the the landscape in higher education is changing so quickly, and and I think you know I think you probably have heard discussion of this demographic cliff that's happening. I think it, it it starts to bottom out starting in 2025, but between 2025 and 2028, uh, that like 15% fewer 18-year-olds are going to be, and you know even potentially going to be college students. And this is all a result of the the Great Recession of 2007, 2008, 2009. And you can't just like create more 18-year-olds. You have to; they have to have been born 18 years ago. So they've got demographic challenges. There are ideological challenges. There are challenges related to costs. So. All of these things mean a dramatically changing landscape. You know, there are places like in New York and Massachusetts over the last five or six years, each of those places have seen 10 colleges close or merge. In Illinois, they've had eight. In Wisconsin, we've seen one. But, you know, just in the last few weeks, Concordia has said they're, potent- they're going to reimagine a campus that they have in Michigan, and they're going to lay off some people here in Wisconsin in their campus in Mequon. So I think it's a dramatically changing landscape, and it's not just the privates, but the public universities, too. So we're, we're, we're bound to see more change there, and, and it's going to happen more rapidly than we have seen in the past. Joel Brennan is the president of the Greater Milwaukee Committee. He will join us every Thursday here on Wisconsin's Midday News. Unless there's Brewers baseball, I guess we could talk offline at that point. It's 11.53 on WTMJ. Thank you, Joel. Thank you. Uh, so the folks at Wendy's are very quick to respond to public backlash. Very quick. So, so we and there was a lot of public backlash. Yeah. So this was the story from earlier this week. Wendy's will soon test a plan to fluctuate its menu prices based on the time of day, the location, and demand, similar to the surge pricing used by ride-sharing companies raising fares during bad weather or rush hour. Wendy's Baconator. That Baconator sandwich could cost a dollar more during your lunch hour. 
So that was the report from ABC. So, all right. So public backlash ensued. We talked about it. Surge pricing, paying more for that Baconator or more for that Frosty or what's the sandwich you really like at oh, Wendy's? Oh, the spicy chicken fillet. Yes, yes, please. Get that at noon or six o'clock. You might have to pay more. Wendy's is trying to shift the messaging. Wendy's is trying to clarify its plan to test so-called dynamic pricing, where customers could see menu prices change during the day based on demand or a restaurant's location. Wendy's now insists that any shift in pricing would be to offer discounts during slower times of the day. So there you go. It's a discount, Jessica. You'll pay I, I less just, for that Frosty. I just don't believe it. I mean, they're trying to get more customers. They're trying to make more money. Okay, sure, a discount during parts of the day would be nice, but I don't believe it. I think there was so much backlash that they said, okay, we need to tweak this a little bit. And they, they, they said they didn't use the term surge pricing. They did but, not. But fairness. they used dynamic pricing, and that's ultimately what that is. Which means it's going to change, right? Yes. It's going to change based upon time of day. And yes, you would think demand. So I don't look at this and say, you know, the base price is going to go down because they want to, you know, perceive a discount for you if you want to get that Baconator at 145 instead of noon. But that's exactly what's going to happen here. Like, it's going to shift, which means you could also pay more. It's not just a discount. Yes. I mean, it's such a shift in their communication here. <laughs> and I, I just don't I just don't believe it. It's dynamic pricing. I think they're just they're saying, oh, gosh, we didn't expect to have this much feedback. And these many customers saying that we don't like the idea. And now we got to massage the message a little bit. They'll begin testing in 2025. The news is next on WTMJ. Jorgensen conveyor of Mequon's 65 employees' jobs are all safe after its sale to a larger manufacturing firm called Innovance of Minnesota. The firm manufactures industrial conveyor belt systems. Some owners of large houses on Milwaukee's east side and north shore are looking to cash in by renting them out during July's Republican National Convention. Nightly asking rents range from $3,500 to $6,000. Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank, and PNC led the country in closing bank branches last year. Wells Fargo's 293 net branch closings led the list compiled by S&P Global. This is Sean Ryan with MilwaukeeBusinessJournal.com on News Radio WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios in downtown Milwaukee, it's Wisconsin's Midday News, making stories come to life. Now, here are your hosts, Greg Matzik and Jessica Ty. Thursday edition of Wisconsin's Midday News coming up in about seven minutes. We'll talk with Wisconsin's favorite comedian, Emmy Award-winning journalist Charlie Behrens is going to join us. He's got a bunch of stand-up shows in Wisconsin. He's on tour right now. I think he's in South Carolina. He's everywhere. He is everywhere. He's got new brandy. He's got a lot of good things going on. We are going to dive into all that. Charlie Behrens, our guest, coming up in about seven minutes. Some stories we're following here this afternoon. Now at noon on Wisconsin's Midday News. One of the big ones today, President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump both head to the border today. The two will visit different sections of it, which is appropriate considering their dueling arguments on the migrant crisis. Biden will meet with U.S. Border Patrol agents in Brownsville, Texas. Trump is expected to make remarks in Eagle Pass, the scene of a border showdown where authorities have seen a high number of migrant crossings. And they're going to be pointing the finger at each other, according to ABC's Mary Bruce. 
The president is expected to meet with Border Patrol and local law enforcement and to once again blame Donald Trump for tanking that bipartisan border deal that would have included some of the toughest reforms in decades. Donald Trump is also eager to run on this issue in November. He is already promising mass deportations if elected and ratcheting up his rhetoric. Today, Trump and Biden will make their case as they both look to own this issue in November. Not the only big story in the state of Texas where wildfires continue to rage on. One confirmed dead, the smokehouse fire still uncontrolled. It's threatening to become the largest wildfire in state history. Homes destroyed, reduced to ash. Nearly one million acres of scorched earth as firefighters work to contain the blaze. Many pouring into shelters. The home of Hemphill County Sheriff Brent Clapp and his wife, Rachel, burning to the ground. Barely had time to escape. Get some clothes, get your medicine if you need it, and get your animals and go. But the community here stays resilient. Everybody I know is lucky to be alive, and we'll make it through. And that's ABC's Mola Langley. This is a massive, massive state with a massive, massive issue right now, an uncontrollable wildfire. We've seen it in different states across our country over the last several years, California specifically, Colorado. Uh, but now it's reached Texas for different reasons, but still uncontrollable and incredibly devastating. Yeah, and it's so tough with the winds, too. I mean, you have the wind shift one way, and then boom, the flames just go. Um, they're saying that calmer winds helped firefighters' efforts yesterday, but we'll see what happens tonight and tomorrow. And just released minutes ago, new information on the effectiveness of this season's flu vaccine. The CDC says it is working well. So if you take away anything, that is the bottom line. This season's flu vaccine is working well. If we get into the numbers, though, early numbers indicate the flu vaccine is helping kids a lot, reducing the risk of medical visits by two-thirds and hospitalizations by half. For adults, the risk of those complications is also cut in half. And not everybody knows this, but flu vaccines are reviewed twice a year, and they're updated annually as needed because, of course, the flu virus is always changing. So it's always a big question every year. If you get the flu vaccine, is is this one going to work well? So for those who did get the vaccine, I know I, I always go ahead and get the flu vaccine every year. Happy to hear that it's it's doing good. So what constitutes working well? Is it like north of 50%? Like, that's not clear to me. I read through the CDC's report, and I understood like every third word. Yeah, you're never getting like 80%. Deep, yeah, right. <laughs> that would be amazing. But it, it seems like anything north of the 50% mark qualifies as it's working Yes, and the CDC recommends everyone six months and older get a yearly flu vaccine as long as the virus is still out there. It's never too late is usually what they say. No, and that's a good reminder, too. It is not too late to get it if you haven't and you feel like, "Eh, maybe just maybe I should. Uh, We're nearing the end of flu season, to be sure, but it's not too late to get it if you feel like you need to. It's 12-12 on WTMJ. Charlie Barron's joining us in just a couple of minutes. Also, what is leap year? How did we get here? Deb? Lazica has a really interesting feature coming up. We'll play that for you at 1246. The importance of leap years, and happy birthday to all those celebrating their, I don't know, fourth or fifth birthday today. It's 1212 on WTMJ. get up and enjoy it weekend on tap here it's uh, good to have great weather on the weekends do you notice a, a shift in energy right you get a couple of warm days and all of a sudden people are you know sort of bopping around the the office a little bit more just a different pep 
Well, you know, and it's so different today, but a couple days ago when we were in the 70s, I know I was out on the Oak Leaf Trail, my husband and I, um, on Sunday actually when it was a little bit cooler, but we took a bike ride down to Hubbard Park, which is always a, a fun spot um, when the beer garden's open there, but wasn't open at the time, but we just went down and kind of enjoyed the sun. It felt so good, but so many people out on the Oak Leaf Trail, you had the bikers out there, you had people with their dogs, and actually our producer, Aaron Pelican, he was also out on the Oak Leaf Trail, but in a totally different direction. He said that it was his first First time, but he just got out there to breathe in the nice fresh air, take it all in on a warm day. Yeah, there's some uh, certain days or certain occurrences that I've noticed there's sort of a, a tick up in energy at the office. Number one, the day after a Packers win. Number two, warm weather at times where you don't expect to have warm weather. And three, opening day. Like, opening I don't, day. <laughs> like those three things, it's just different. Now, maybe people aren't as much at the office on opening day. I was day. just going to say, I said, who's at the office on opening day? But, I know I know. so many so many years I was out there on opening day for just live shots in the morning getting people ready, but it was usually that the, the parking lots were packed with people tailgating because not many people were at work on opening day. Right. Another day that is ripe for, for holiday. Of course, we'll have Brewers baseball throughout the season here on WTMJ. Opening day is uh, less than a month away which is incredible as the Brewers begin the season in New York against the Mets and then home here against the Twins. So we're going to be out there at the park. We're already starting to get our opening day plans in order, which is a great day. Jessica, it'll be your first run with a WTMJ opening day. Do I have to run? It, uh, I, well, you don't have to. Do I have to run the bases? You certainly can. No, they won't let you out on the field. You don't have to be there at 4 a.m. like you did in your TV days either. <laughs> oh, man, that's nice. Oh, yeah, those days of waking up at 2 in the morning, those are done. Yes, and you had to look good on TV, right? You had to be on camera. All I had to do was just get to the park and do stuff for the radio. That's true. And I did see you. I mean, that was my first experience with you, was seeing you in the, on the radio side there. We were always so busy, but it was like, okay, they get the radio crew over there, and that's that's how I knew you. That's how it all worked. That's how it all worked. We are efforting to get hold of uh, Charlie Barons. He's expected to join us here on the program. As we wait for him, we'll give you a little look into Leap Day. Why is it a thing? It's a special day on the calendar. It's a rare day on the calendar. It doesn't happen often, but when it happens, we take notice. WTMJ's Debbie Lazica explains. Let's play a guessing game. What happens every four years? Ooh, good guess, but no. Here's another clue. What happens every four years and a certain percentage of the population is extra excited about... Ooh, another good guess. Here's your last clue. It has to do with time. Give up? It's leap year. And by the way, that percentage of excited people are folks born on February 29th. We'll get to them in a second. But first, why do we have leap year? Director of the UWM Manfred Olson Planetarium, Dr. Gene Creighton, filled me in on the nuts and bolts. The reason for this is that the Earth takes 365 and a quarter days to go around the sun. And we don't deal with quarter of days, so we say let it be 365. Rounding it off for simplicity. But if you don't make a correction for that quarter of a day, inevitably you're going to be out of sync. You're going to say, oh, this is the beginning of the year, but it's mid-July. So... The way that most modern people do this is that every fourth year, we add an extra day. And globally, it's been agreed upon that we add it to the shortest month of the year, February, because having 32 days in January is just plain cruel and unusual. 
this isn't just a let's follow tradition and let's just add a day every four years. It has consequences in our daily life that we just take for granted. We just assume that the time is going to be true everywhere. But if we don't all agree that we're going to add that moment now, then it doesn't work. Yeah, you know that phone in your pocket? Yeah, it needs everything to time out as well. So it turns out that if you don't take it into account, then our satellites wouldn't work properly. So what about the lucky percentage of the population that is born on the elusive February 29th? Well, I decided to talk to my friend, actor, playwright, and musician Bob McKay to get his take on turning 14. Sort of. Well, technically. It's funny, I often get the question, wow, you're a leap year person, so what do you do? How does that work? What day do you officially celebrate your birthday? Really, whatever day is most convenient on any given year. And then uh, every fourth year when a real birthday happens, I just might go extra big with the celebration. And there's always this option. On a year when there's no birthday, you're going to invite a bunch of people over, right? And then we pass out party favor and hats and snacks and stuff, and we wait but we treat it like new year's eve we wait till that split second at midnight where my birthday is supposed to happen and then everyone would point at me laugh and go home well all kidding aside the exact date might make a difference to some according to thompson reuters legal directory some states have determined that either february 28th or march 1st as being the legal date that a person turns for example 18 or 21 incidentally in wisconsin it's march 1st so to recap, without leap years, our seasons would be all out of whack with the calendar, and satellites and astronomical observations may be all messed up. But if it's your birthday... The best thing about it is what a great conversation starter and a great icebreaker. If people don't already know this about me, it's a great little thing to just throw out there, uh, and right away people cock their heads and go, oh, tell me more, how does that work? Happy birthday, Leaplings! Debbie Lazaga, WTMJ News. So leaplings. Leaplings. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the I official hadn't heard that term. That's the official term. Thank you, Deb. We have located Charlie Barron's. We'll keep her moving here and check in with Charlie in a couple minutes on WTMJ. We're Midwesterners. We're going to talk about the weather so we don't have to talk about our feelings. We'll risk our lives on two inches of ice for three small perks. Hurry up, dude. My hands are cold. Well, if you're looking for a good old-fashioned brandy, try giving Barron's Old Fashioned Brandy a go. It's the real deal, 90 proof and everything. Named after Bob Barron's grandfather of Wisconsin's favorite comedian and Emmy Award-winning journalist, Charlie Barron's. That's my best pitch. I don't know if I need to be a pitch man. If Charlie Barron's is the creator of the brandy, he's probably his own pitch man. He's I'm just, good to go on his own. I, I'm just giving it a shot. Charlie is joining us on the program right now from somewhere. Welcome, Charlie. Where are you? You know what? I got to tell you this much. First of all, I'm very sorry for being late to this. Yeah, I had for to, Christ's uh, sake. You know, we're Midwesterners. If we're late, we're going to apologize 14 <laughs> times for it on a five-minute phone interview. Um, no, but I do sincerely apologize. Uh, what I was doing, just so you know, is I was on the wrong Zoom link at the time. I thought it was a Zoom link, not a telephone number. So my my bad on that. All good. Say, you're on tour right now. Are you? Uh, looks like you got a show in South Carolina coming up. Is that where you are, or you are? Are you at home? I'm in between. I'm. I am at home. I wasn't supposed to be. I was just up in Minnesota recording this bellied up podcast that I do with Miles, the You Betcha guy. But we finished a day early, so I drove drove back. So you know, and then going to South Carolina tomorrow. And uh, you know, who knows? It's pretty wild. It's nice weather here today, though, isn't it? 
That's lovely. Yes, it is. I, and never a bad time to have a brandy old-fashioned, Charlie. So this is your newest adventure. This is so cool. Walk me through Barron's old-fashioned brandy. The name Barron's is not reflective of you so much as it is somebody else in your family. Yeah, I wanted to name it after the most, you know, Midwest guy I knew. And my grandpa, Bob, I mean, I wouldn't be in any position the way I am if it weren't for my grandpa, Bob, because, you know, early on in my comedy days, I was just kind of copying a lot of the things he would say. And uh, and it, I, he was not saying it ironically at all. And it was just so much um, fun listening to him talk because I don't know where he picked up some of these phrases, but they, they it was just poetry, you know. And so the hard part of all that was done. And so um, when I was coming up with a brandy, brandy's the most Wisconsin drink you can have. And uh, my grandpa Bob's the most Wisconsin guy I ever knew, so it just made sense to name it after him, you know. Okay, so when we talk about, you're thinking about the packaging and how the bottle's going to look. This is a square bottle, and you had a reason for that. What is it? Yeah, very much so. And that's because, you know, when you're fishing and, uh, you know, uh, you kick the bottle over, it starts rolling around the boat, spilling it over. We've got an anti-roll spill technology (laughs) built into this bottle, and that's that it's a square bottle. So not only does it fit better into your tackle box, uh, but it also has four corners, so it's not going to roll around a boat like like a different kind of uh, brandy might. On top of that, guys, and this is probably the coolest part of this deal, is that every single part of this bottle can be re- recycled. Uh, the um, cork, what you do is you take a, a about a 16th inch drill bit, a little less than that actually, drill right through the top. And now you got a bobber, okay? You might have to put a toothpick in there as a stopper, but that'll work as a bobber. Um, so you got that going. And then, of course, the bottle. I mean, you can do a thousand things like that. Stick a candle in it. Now you got a candle holder. Um, you can use it as a water bottle, you know, just keep the cork in. And now it's a, a glass water bottle. So, you know, you're not just buying brandy here. You're buying a, a lifetime experience with this bottle. Oh, cutting edge, uh, as you might expect from Charlie Barron. So is this like a ready-to-drink old-fashioned, or do you got to do the muddling and the mixing and the adding of stuff at all, the bitters and whatnot? Yeah, no, I hate to tell you guys, uh, you're going to have to make your own old-fashions with it, but don't worry because we've got the Barron's old-fashioned brandy channels where we're going to be doing recipes of not just old-fashions, but, you know, also Manhattans. and, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, you can do a lot of brandy drinks that people don't often think of. Um, a lot of old supper club drinks, um, you know, pink squirrels uh, and whatnot uh, can substitute brandy as well. So there's a lot of that uh, to look forward to. And also, it's a good sipper straight, you know, and um, I don't often say that about brandy. But um, this one, you can sip it, sip it straight, sip it on ice if you want. And, uh, you know, it's a little harder than an old-fashioned, but it's it's still pretty smooth, i got to tell you that. So people might be having a, a little sip of that before going to one of your shows at the Riverside. These are so crazy popular, Charlie. I, I, I saw the Riverside post about, hey, we've got Charlie Barron's coming, and then there was so much response to that that it was just one show after another. I think you're up to four shows now. I can only imagine the organizers being like, oh, we gotta we gotta add another show to this, right? Were you surprised? I mean, you you know you're you're killing it here in Wisconsin, but were you surprised at how many people said we've got to go and see him? 
Yeah, no, I got to tell you, I'm always surprised at that. Um, uh, and I'm more than anything, I'm just thankful that people want to come out and, and see the show. And we did it two years ago and we had really good response. And, you know, the fact that people came or coming back out, I'm super excited about that. It's all new material. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm just honestly really just feel lucky that people are coming out to it. So I'm, I'm excited to put on as good of a show as we can and we'll have the brandy there and as it turns out if you do have an old-fashioned um the comedy gets funnier somehow uh through (laughs) god's graces it always works out that way doesn't it yeah i think so i think it does okay so i'm looking tomorrow you're in charleston south carolina then you go to north carolina you go to california you're in san diego you're in la phoenix nashville um before you come back to milwaukee but just curious you're golden here in Wisconsin, but how do these shows go over when you're in L.A.? It's It's got to be different. Yeah, I mean, I'm more like silver or bronze out there, you know, <laughs> maybe like a high-quality lead. But um, it still goes good. And, um, you know, like a lot of my first tour was, you know, about the Midwest. And a lot of this tour is uh, about a guy from the Midwest. So it's kind of my perspective on family and um all that sort of stuff and it's it's something that you know is fairly universal and everybody can relate to because a lot of it's about family um but uh you know the midwest perspective is something that a lot of people uh whether they live in the midwest or not they know someone from the midwest or they're from the midwest you know the midwest is a place that for whatever reason a lot of people have left and moved other places and they're looking for reasons to reconnect with other midwesterners and this kind of offers them that at least that's what i've found you know in doing these shows which i think is pretty cool because you know it's not every place that you leave and you you're looking for a, a way to reconnect with after you left And that's something that's really nice about Wisconsin and and the Midwest more broadly. Charlie, do you hear the music? Yeah. Does that mean, is this like the Oscars? It's time to go? (laughs) No, 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 not not quite like that. It's uh, it's time for a game called Five Questions. Are you excited to play? All right. Yeah, this is going to be slick. Question number one. When was the last time you sprinted? Oh, um... Four four weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that. I was doing foot race. I had been drinking. <laughs> Old-fashioned sweet or sour? Sour. Tartar sauce on your fish fry, yes or no? Oh, yeah. Yeah, who says no? Have you ever actually spent time in Manitowoc? Oh, yeah. Yeah, quite a bit of time. Just a minute? I thought you were going to say just a minute. <laughs> no. Question number five. What is your favorite spice? Oh, gosh. Pepper. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Of all the spices. Uh, I, I like hot sauce. There we go. He did it. Charlie, you got most of those right. Well done. Congratulations. Hey, thank you. I, you know what? I really <laughs> I appreciate that I could get those right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. You did really good, man. Hey, thanks for well, joining us. What did I get wrong? Well, you kind of <laughs> you kind of botched the spice one. The real answer is garlic, but that's okay. It's all good, man. You did good. 
All right. Thank you. I appreciate you rating my own answers. That's <laughs> yeah. really nice. Now that's what we do in Midwest. It's a fun game. It is a fun yeah. game. It's, it's, it's really catching on. We're going to play tomorrow with Pat Connaughton of the Bucks. He's going to hate us, but that's okay. Oh, nice. I bet he sprinted a lot quicker or more recently than I have. Yeah, I'm going to have to amend the questions there a little bit. Charlie Barron's, his old-fashioned brandy. Buy it online. Look at retailers near you. Charlie, thanks so much for spending some time with us. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, guys. I'm so sorry I was late again. I apologize, okay? I thought we'll you were sprinting you soon, to the phone. That's you why I thought have. that answer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Charlie Barron's pepper coming out in 2025. Talk to you soon, pal. Thank you. <laughs> See you now. Well, the U.S. Supreme Court has decided to consider whether Donald Trump is immune from federal prosecution for allegedly trying to overturn the 2020 election. Why did the U.S. Supreme Court decide to stick their hands into this? wanted to welcome in Jeremy Rosenthal, a prosecutor before becoming a defense attorney. He's also the founder of TexasDefenseFirm.com, based in Dallas-Fort Worth. Jeremy, thank you for joining us. I guess first question, why did the U.S. Supreme Court decide they wanted to make their own conclusion? That's a great question. I think the Supreme Court wants to weigh in on this. This is the single most important uh, separation of powers question that I think the U.S. Supreme Court will decide probably in our lifetimes. Uh, So we were expecting a decision about that earlier this week. um, And what we got instead was, well, we're going to dig into this a little more deeply and we're going to take oral arguments on it. I don't know if uh, if that's for the reason that they want to weigh in themselves because of the U.S. Supreme Court. That is probably it. There's also probably a little bit of dissent going on amongst the nine justices. Um, and I think that they felt that this is the most expeditious way to answer this question. And, and what's important to remember, too, is that our Supreme Court, they're not looking to this November election, right? They're not there. I don't think if you were to ask them, they don't care about Joe Biden or Donald Trump. They're trying to answer this question for the next hundred years. So I think that that's what they're really focused on. And I think it's pretty important to them to get it right. Does the court's acceptance of Trump's appeal offer any hint at how it might rule? Uh, No, it doesn't. But it does say that there's a little bit of dissent going on. And to make the issue clear. So so here's what's going on, because I know this could be really confusing. So what has happened here? Uh, so, So when we have somebody who is on trial in a criminal setting, your remedy, if you will, is an appeal. So in other words, we'll have a trial. If the trial doesn't go the way you thought it would go or you think you got an unfair trial, well, you can appeal it after the fact. What's What Mr. Trump is doing here is a little bit different. He's saying, look, I am irreparably harmed just by standing trial. And, and that's a really extraordinary argument. And so he's got to convince the court that, that somehow he is hurt just by standing trial. His argument has been a First Amendment one, saying that his supporters are, are being violated their First Amendment rights, which I think that, that to me, that's, that, that's an argument that I don't know that the Supreme Court's going to necessarily go for. Um, but I think that, uh, so, so the panel from the 14th District was a unanimous three to zero vote uh, against Mr. Trump. I don't know that this will affect the outcome overall. I think most legal analysts would tell you they'd be really surprised if they ruled for Trump here for for the reason that when we talk immunity, what we're saying is that, okay, so the president of the United States, what level of immunity does he enjoy while he's in office? 
can he take a bag of cash and sell a nuclear missile to a cartel in Mexico? I think we would all agree that no. Mm-hmm. Uh, or can they just say, well, I'm not going to pay taxes because I'm the president? Well, no. But when we start getting closer and closer to policy decisions, that becomes a little harder. And I think the most distinguishing fact here is that Donald Trump is not the president currently. I think if the current president had this same issue, he could have a much stronger argument to say, look, I've got to govern the country. I can't be messing with getting prosecuted. Uh, It's a very complicated legal issue. So the U.S. Supreme Court decided to take this case, Jeremy. Do you view this as a win for Donald Trump? You said they're not concerned with time, the U.S. Supreme Court. But Donald Trump likely is. I think if you were to ask Trump and his legal team, they would tell you that this is a net victory because it pushes off that January 6th trial date indefinitely. The Justice Department has a policy that they're not going to try to make waves within 60 days of an election. So if we we're going to get the Supreme Court ruling probably sometime in June, that gives the court uh, a window of about two months to have this trial, which can be done. But it, it, it might not necessarily be done. Uh, so Trump's strategy to delay, uh, this is certainly a net victory for him, at least at the moment. Um, if we were to have this trial on the eve of the Republican convention, they may have a different opinion about that. But at the moment, we thought we were going to get a final ruling on it this week. Uh, and I think Mr. Trump's team would tell you that they expected to get overruled by the Supreme Court on this. Um, so now instead of having a definite trial in May or June, or even April, now we're looking at maybe it will get pushed uh, beyond the November 8th election. Jeremy Rosenthal joining us here on Wisconsin's Midday News, founder of the TexasDefenseFirm.com based in Dallas. Jeremy, very much appreciate your time and insight, and it's an evolving story, no doubt about that. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you very much. So sometimes pictures aren't always what they appear. Oh, yeah. A Willy Wonka experience in Scotland was apparently so bad that people called the cops. Here's CBS's Stacey Lynn. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. The event was billed as a Willy Wonka-inspired immersive chocolate experience. The website showed brightly colored dreamy props, oversized lollipops, and sweet treats. But Stuart Sinclair, who took his kids, says that's not what they got at all. Four or five props, two jelly beans for the kids, half a cup of lemonade. Any chocolate? No, that was the worst part about it. People posted online, calling it a scam. And some even called the police, who eventually shut it down. Stacey Lynn, CBS News. How do you not have any chocolate, no chocolate? at the chocolate experience? That's ridiculous. Plus, okay. who likes chocolate and lemonade? That's not a good mix. It's not even a full cup of lemonade. It was a half cup. <laughs> right. Okay, I, I was checking into this. Two of the actors who were hired for the event, well, two things. One, they said they got this script that appeared to be AI-generated because it was just gibberish. But also, I guess one of the guys walked in a couple days before when they were supposed to be, like, you know, kind of just working on their acting gig for this. And he said it was just so bare bones in the warehouse. There was, like, nothing there. And this is his quote. I thought, this is where dreams go to die. (laughs) Strong statement for somebody participating in the event. What a bummer for the kids, though. It sounded like a lot of fun. All right, kids. Sorry. Pack it up. Go to Wally World instead. It's like Fire Festival. 1252 on WTMJ. Kristen Bride, Dan Schaefer in. It's spanning the state coming up in just a few minutes.